This is Bless You Boys Podcast 89, recorded Friday, October 4th, 2013. There's no such thing as momentum. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Welcome to the Bless You Boys podcast. We're the editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com. SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog talks the last week of Detroit Tigers baseball, or in this case, it'll be, well, there wasn't much baseball played last week since we last recorded because the season came to an end, at least the regular season, but we're going to talk playoffs and kind of how the, the Tigers ended up in the playoffs over the last week, which kind of disturbed some of the fan base. Anyway, I am your host, Al Beaton. You know me as Big Al around Bless You Boys. I'm co-managing editor there. We have the usual gang with us this week. First off, we have the man known as Hook Slide, who went mano a mano with Phil Cook's brain this week in a uh, kind of a what was a pardon the indigestion, whatever the hell it was called. Yep, pardon pardon the infection. Uh, actually, it turned out to be pretty popular, even though I gave you like three hundred uh, topics, you only used five. Well, it's because Kurt won't let me write anything over a thousand words anymore. <laughs> After I put up my my history of or not the history, the retrospective piece on on the Tigers' season, it was like over three thousand words and. Apparently nobody wants to read that. Yeah, so. everybody just wants silly cat gifts and things like that at this point. So that's right. Next year or next week, rather, it'll be a little piece on the, on the tigers and cats. Yeah, cats. silly photoshops and cats, and we're in. So that's right. All right. Also with us is the man. Looks uh, like I was just complaining about. <laughs> he is a, he, he's the co-managing editor of Bless You Boys. He's a columnist for the Detroit News. He is a grand poobah at sbnation.com. And he does several other things up there in the UP that we don't want to know about, and that would be Kurt Menching. Kurt, how's things? You guys forgot nut shots. <laughs> Forget cat gifts. Nut shots is where it's at. You have a lot to learn from me. So a cat hitting someone in the nuts would be like huge pages. That would break the internet, Al. <laughs> Especially if it was cute. <laughs> or, or angry. If it was angry cat, that yeah. would break. Well, before we get too sidetracked on cats, nuts, shots, and gifts in general, a little bit about the podcast, you want to contact us, the usual places, bybpodcast at gmail.com, bybtigers at gmail.com. We're on the Twitter, at Bless You Boys, and we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash bybtigers. Feel free to contact us with hate mail, love letters, spam, whatever. We'll read it. With that, let's start talking playoffs, or at least let's talk about the end of the season before we get to the playoffs, because some fans found the end of the season to be pretty disturbing that they were swept in Miami against the 100-loss Marlins. The Tigers pretty much all but shut down for the season once they uh, clinched in Game 159, and they headed to Miami for three completely, utterly meaningless games, and they were swept. The history books will now show that the final standings will appear much closer than the season actually was, because of that sweep and the Indians finishing 10 and 0 to end the season, that the Tigers only won the division by one game. And this is what gets me, Kurt, is that people are all upset over how the season ended. But realistically, this division was in the Tigers' 
pocket the first week of September, even though they only ended up winning by one game. I'm going to suggest we change the standings to golf scoring. <laughs> four and three—that's a pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good whipping in golf if, you, if you're four and three. So uh, the Tigers were up four with three games to go. What did it matter after that? You could break down the sample sizes, Kurt, in all kinds of different ways. There are a lot of people who are saying, "Well, they only played 500 ball in September." considering that the last three games the Tigers didn't even try, let alone for a lot of September. As we said, the, the series, I mean, the, the division was in the bag. So what really bothers people, Hook Slide, is uh, the no-hitter, in that they were no-hit in game 162. Uh, Marlins, Henderson, Alvarez pitched a no-hitter against what really was a Gimp Tigers lineup, because by the end of the game, Jim Leland had emptied the benches, and he didn't even start uh, four or five of his normal regulars. So can anything be taken from the – from that at all being no hit. Thank God they're not facing the Marlins in the postseason. Mm. That's what I take away from that. <laughs> uh, come on, you know I, I said this I think last week when we talked about the uh, the Friday game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just that the the batting slots for the Tigers, the two, three, four, and five slots being responsible for over half of the RBIs of the team's total RBIs mm-hmm. this year. Uh, that no hitter. There was no Tory Hunter, uh, no Cabrera. You know, fielder. Uh, was in. Uh, did he even play? He played like on that bat. You know, just keep the streak alive. Two right. plate appearances. Okay, and then of course Victor Martinez. I mean, so none of the regulars were out there. And I think Tory Hunter said something about that in an interview. You know, after the fact, said, "Yeah, you know, it, it, it turned out that way." But boy, I, I'd, I'd like to see how that would have turned out different. You know, if, if some of us regulars had been in the lineup. I think he's right. You know, it's it's a crappy way to go out. You know, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. It was a really disappointing game to watch, and just you've got to be kidding me. Especially the way it ended. My God, <laughs> wild yeah. pitch, terrible game to watch. But really, I mean, all that's done is provide the uh, sports radio talk show hosts with a lot of fodder. You know, to go, mm-hmm. oh my God, Cleveland came within one game. You know, no, they didn't. Yeah, Kurt really nailed it when he says, "Yeah, it was four and three. The season ended." And for the last couple of weeks, Kurt, don't you think the Tigers were at least Jim Lee was in a little bit of experimentation mode by the way he was using his bullpen? Yeah, and beyond that, I mean, would would people want the the best nine? Would people want them to you know go all out in, for a meaningless September? For what? There there would have been no point to it. What if someone got hurt? If someone what you know if they didn't rest enough and then they ran out of gas in the ALDS, people would be saying, well, what what why didn't Leland rest his players more? <laughs> so yeah. no matter what Leland did, he was going to get a second guess because the professional second guessers have nothing else to do. Yeah, say the very least. And that all leads us, people, to what the uh, the narrative of momentum. Uh, and actually, that's where all this kind of leads to. The fear from many Tigers fans is that the Tigers have absolutely no momentum heading into the playoffs. You know, they look at that, their 500 record in September. They were only 2-5 and five in the final week. They got no hits against the, one of the worst teams in baseball. Kurt, is momentum a real thing, and does it really matter? First off, let's check with Cleveland. Oh, hmm. oh, Cleveland. 10-0 and, and you, you get shut out in the wild card. Cleveland, uh, you know, sure, momentum. That really helped the Indians. Mm-hmm. Well, let's check with uh, check with the Rangers. Oh, they went 7-0, and and then they lost in, well, it wasn't really the, the postseason, but I'm going to pretend game 163 was. So they, right. they went into the postseason – on a hot streak and they lost. So what exactly was momentum supposed to do? Uh, it, you know, it, it, further out, the Dodgers were less than 500 
in mm-hmm. September, and they just went and put a whooping on the Braves. So I mean, it 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 just it doesn't make any sense to. It, it's fun to make up little narratives, but it, don't actually believe them without doing research, people. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, Hookslide, do you buy into this momentum stuff if there is such a thing? Can't answer that question right now. I got to hit the slot machine. This one's really hot <laughs> right now. Seriously, the, someone won like four in a row. I got to get to this machine. No, it's the same logic. There is no such thing as, you know, a hot streak or, you know, the momentum of a team or whatever. I mean, I'm thinking back to last year. The Tigers swept the Yankees yeah. in the ALCS. Talk about your momentum. Oh, but they got the week off, right? So that's mm-hmm. the – well, but there's the counter argument, I suppose, right? So the Tigers have had zero momentum in September. They get swept by the Marlins, but thank God they have a week off. Yeah. See, so that will interrupt the negative momentum. They should be, uh, you know, do do. I love that one too. Mm-hmm. They're due for a hot streak coming into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and we can go all over the place with this. The 2006 Tigers stumbled into the playoffs, you know, and they're losing the division on the last day, and then essentially steamrolled everybody into the until they got to the World Series. But then they had all that time off and lost their momentum. You know, it's all BS. The Tigers put it in cruise control over the last couple of weeks of the season. The season was over. There was no real reason for them to, as Kurt said, go all out because bad things can happen when it comes to injuries and things like that. And if the Tigers really had needed to flip a switch to a point anyway, I'm sure they would have. it would have been no issue to win those couple of games in Miami if they needed to. Momentum is bullshit, pure and simple. You know, And Kurt just threw it out there perfectly. We've seen it in the playoffs you know, with the Indians and the Rangers. You know, They came in smoking hot. And then they just look like, you know, run-of-the-mill teams uh, and, and got knocked out. So I'm sure we'll have, we'll have more to say about this uh, when we talk next, as hopefully, you know, as this uh, series proceeds. Uh, we're actually recording this about, though, about five hours before the uh, game is supposed to start on Friday. So the season ended the way it did. It didn't make a difference no matter what. The Tigers were in the playoffs. Whatever. Let's move on. Which means we got to talk about, well, the playoffs. Well, hold on before we move on. Okay, go for it. Because there's one point that I did want to bring up, All right. semi, a semi-serious point about that, that sweep in Miami. You know, I get the fact that uh, the regular players weren't really present for a lot of it. You know, Cabrera was out for a lot of it. Martinez was out for a lot of it. The one thing that, that did catch my attention was uh, Joaquin Benoit's performance mm-hmm. in, in the second game of that series. What did you guys think about that? I mean, he was so close. He's, what, a two outs, you know, one strike away mm-hmm. from locking him down in the ninth, and he couldn't get the job done. I tend not to worry about it because uh, it caught up with him. You know, relievers blow saves, and he had at one point converted 23 straight. It, he was, you know, you hate to use the term he was due, but it was going to happen. He was going to blow a save. Look at Jose Valverde's uh, season in 2011 where he didn't blow a single save. It was all pure luck. What's your take on that, Kurt? Baseball. <laughs> there he goes. That's baseball. <laughs> that, well, you, you took the words out of my mouth. That, that's baseball. If we could, if it's not football, that's easy to predict. You know, it's not mm-hmm. basketball. That's pretty easy to predict. It's baseball. It's like random number generator just messing with people. Did it bother you, Hooks like? No, not necessarily. I, I was just kind of curious what other people were thinking about it. I mean, it bothered me um, in the moment just to yeah. see it happen, right. certainly. But, I mean... Certainly, looking back over the the entirety of the you know whole season to say no, that's just that's a blip. It's kind of weird that he couldn't get it done against Miami, but again, you know that, that it's baseball. You know, and it, 
a professional baseball hitter should be able to get a baseball hit once in yeah. a while, even against someone like Benoit. So. Well, unless that person is Matt Tuiasasopo, obviously. But Ow, that's just uncalled for. Man. I too know. Soon. <laughs> Tuiasasopo, too soon. Yeah. Well, well, that does lead us to well the next topic, the ALDS. And first off, the roster is set. And that actually meant that Matt Tuiasasopo, despite being on the team the entire season, was left off the roster. Uh, that was really the only major decision to be made, other than they added Jose Alvarez as a second left-hander in the bullpen. Uh, Kurt, were there any surprises at all in the 25-man? I, I guess you could say Jose Alvarez was kind of a surprise. I, I thought they'd go with Darren Downs myself, and I, I, I know other people thought they would or hoped they would. I, I guess you could say it wasn't a complete surprise. They seemed to be leaning toward Alvarez at the end of the season, but, uh, it, you know, uh, that, that surprised me. The other 24... No, you know, I, I I thought the argument for Hernan Perez, he, he's more of a, a base runner and can help at the end of a game. Uh, I thought that made a good sense. So uh, that that didn't surprise me, especially with as cold as Tui Asasopo was. So mm-hmm. Alvarez, uh, that was the only one that surprised me. Now, how about you, Oak Slide? Uh, any surprises or anything that made you sad uh, when it came to the 25-man? Poor Tui Asasopo. Yeah. Or, nope, no surprises. Yeah. No. I, I was not surprised with the way it rolled out. Um, like Kurt mentioned, the only question mark was that, you know, the other lefty in the bullpen or whether Leland would even go with the second lefty. I kind of assumed that he would, but it was kind of up in the air. Um, no, outside of that, I, I don't uh, – I mean, the, the Peralta question was just – it was an interesting mm-hmm. question mark, but I don't, not even that was really a, you know, surprise. I, I, I think everyone kind of expected that he would be on the – Roster. I'm, I'm glad that they went the way they did. I'm glad that that they took uh, Hernan Perez yep. over Matt Tuiasasopo. But he does give the better depth in terms of the speed for pinch running and uh, you know defensive skills. And actually, he's slightly out hitting Tuiasasopo in terms of the September numbers. Yeah, which is saying something because <laughs> he can't hit a lick. <laughs> yeah, and uh, even even Tuiasasopo admitted that he's not surprised he was left off the roster because he is, you know, he he didn't just stop hitting. He he, he couldn't buy a hit to save his life at this point. And um, the fear was, Kurt, that they were going to keep Tuiasasopo on the roster, you know, for the old, well, he could run into one. The thing is, he hasn't run into anything in almost six weeks. Right, right. But, and, and that logic made sense because that, that's good Leland logic. That mm-hmm. he, you know, he likes to have that, uh, that instant run off the bench. But, you know, yeah, what was he? One for 21? Oh, for 22, and his last hit was like August 27th or something right, like that. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's hard to justify him being able to run into one when he can't even get on base. <laughs> to say the least. And, yeah, and it's nice. He's, he's there in Oakland with him. He's cheering him on, but he is not on the roster and won't be playing. I guess the only other uh, player who's not on the roster who was in Oakland is uh, Brian Holiday, you know, because he can't have enough catchers hanging around, but. Other than that, yeah, I agree. There was absolutely no surprises at all. Uh, Perez made perfect sense because of his uh, defensive and pinch running skills. And, you know, other than that, there really wasn't, you know, there was a couple, you know, the lesser of many evils when it came to the end of the bullpen by William Alvarez. It was pretty much what we thought it was going to be going in. There was a couple of question marks, and they've been answered. And looks like it's really funny, though, is when we get so involved in who's going to make the, the roster, and it comes down to these 24th and 25th guys. It just it kind of reminds me of all the all the angst that was going over who was going to make the team in spring training. Danny Werf or Ramon Santiago, one of the big scheme of things. If these guys are, 
you know, these if the guys who we're talking about are playing a ton in the playoffs, the Tigers are up shit creek anyway. What was the question? You <laughs> lost <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the, yeah, the, isn't I, I, I'll put it this way. Don't you think that this is much ado about nothing? Oh, it's it's a fun thing to kind of you know speculate about and worry about, or not worry about, but you know just to to have those conversations, those discussions. I mean, come on, we're baseball fans, you know. Mm-hmm. We we have nothing if if we have nothing to talk about, especially during these four day, five day droughts. You know, there's yeah. nothing to watch. So, you know, it's 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 much ado about nothing, but it's it's all part of the package. Talk about nothing to watch. You know, having to watch National League baseball bunch this week. Oh God, don't get me going on that. I, you know, second inning bunts for Christ's sake. Oh, don't get me going. But we'll we'll probably get going on that later. But yeah, speaking of getting things going, I'm sure this will get a, a few of us up at arms. And that was uh, Drew Sharp's sanctimonious, self-serving bullshit column with the headline: "Tigers should have kept Johnny Peralta off their roster." And the reasoning pretty much was, well. Melky Cabrera last year, and they should have been more courageous. Well, I'll put it, here are some of the, the meteor points, if you want to call them that. The opportunity was there for the Tigers to stand courageously alone as the biogenesis scandal reached its next chapter. The admitted cheaters were welcomed back and hailed as returning heroes. First off, that's a complete lie. That's just a, a prevarication. I don't think anybody was calling them heroes for fuck's sake. Why we're at it. Why not just make Biogenesis a partner, a partnering sponsor for tonight's gate series between the Tigers and Athletics? He, he says something, and there's also something about Tony Bosch throwing out the ceremony of first syringe. And then he also plays the very tired and really doesn't have much to do with this situation, Milky Cabrera card. So uh, I'll start with you, Hookslide. Can anyone honestly agree with this? And for that matter, where's the self-right? Where's this outrage over? The Rangers, the Indians, the A's, the Red Sox, all of these teams, if not more, who have admitted PED users or suspected PED users on their playoff rosters. No, I think his outrage is there. Uh, I think we're just sort of overlooking uh, the way he words this, you know, and saying that um, the Tigers had an opportunity to, you know, stand alone, as it were, you know, to rise above all this. I think there is the outrage saying, come on, you know, the, the Rangers are doing it and the, you know, whoever else, but, you know, the Tigers should, should have been better than all of that. And I'm telling you, you can't get me started on this topic. I just <laughs> eventually it devolves into nothing but curse words. Well, I mean, the the one question that I've heard asked, you know, over and over again is why why should the Tigers alone be punished? Mm-hmm. You know, in this instance, and you know, it's it's going beyond punishment. It's it's it, it, this is self flagellation at this point. Yeah. Cabrera, uh, not Cabrera, uh, Peralta you know, has served the suspension that was what was agreed against. You know, can we get past this, for God's sakes? Mm-hmm. What what do they really have to gain? I don't know. I, I look at it and I think, you know, who knows? Maybe for Drew Sharp, this is what baseball is all about. It's about going above and beyond in the realm of integrity or some stupid – Not see, I'm going to start swearing. Well, I already yes. have. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm sorry, but that's just – there. there has – Never been a period in the history of baseball when it was a game of integrity. How do people not get this? It has always been about gaining the edge, you know, wherever you can. Spitballs, scuffballs, cork bats, uh, you know, spiking fielders, doing whatever you have to do. That's, I mean, and and we do celebrate those people Mm -hmm. years and years later. And I'm not making a case for, you know, PEDs or whatever. I'm just saying, come on, don't go to this. Baseball used to be this wonderful, pure, innocent game. Oh, Oh, just, all right, shut me off. Shut me off now. <laughs> well, I'll just add this in that he wrote a very similar column in regard to the Hall of Fame vote that I absolutely shredded. Actually, I, I did a you know a Fire Joe Morgan type piece on it online that 
it was it was very similar to this over you know over the top angst over something that really shouldn't be getting all that worked up about. Kurt, I don't know what more you can add to this Drew Sharp uh, conversation, but it's well, it's tired. It's essentially just it's something he threw out there, I think, just to get people riled up and get page views. And if he honestly believes this, the man's an idiot. I, I thought the Saturday Night Live skit was breaking up with all the don't get me started going on. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sure I'm sure Drew Sharp believes it's hot sports takes. You know, yeah. there's a, that's the philosophy that you know to to take the opposing view and to you know rile people up. Like like you said, it, it, Drew Sharp has always done that. So, am I surprised? Of course not. I don't know about you, but I don't think this Mel- what happened with Melky Pereira last year plays into this at all. Well, it shouldn't. You know, why? 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 Who decides what should be a precedent? Yeah, it, it, it's it's ridiculous. Nobody. You know, don't don't get me started. <laughs> I love I love your outrage. The sound of your outrage there. Don't get me started. I, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, the Melky Cabrera thing was completely different than that. One, he it, he had a dirty test. Two, he tried to cheat his way out of it, if you want to call it cheating, by coming up with this fake website and all this kind of other BS. It was a completely different situation. And realistically, I think the, the Giants got really, really lucky in that it didn't end up costing them in the postseason, considering a guy would have won the NL batting title. So you know, there had to be more underlying reasons there as to why he was left off the roster. It, I'm sure it wasn't with the Giants a complete integrity thing. There had to be some underlying reasons there how much they had to do with that fake website and probably his unpopularity in the in in the in the clubhouse. So it was entirely different for Peralta. The players wanted him back. He apologized. There's no dirty test involved. He admitted he did some things wrong. He served a suspension. League mandated. This is in a contract. This is legal. And then he's able to once he serves the suspension, he's able to come back and make a living as a baseball player. The Tigers are allowing him to do that. And then at the end of the season, everybody will move on, you know, get all self-righteous about Peralta after the fact because he won't be a Tiger anymore. That's all BS when it comes to PEDs. Don't get don't get me started. <laughs> and uh, Well, Al, but let me add this. Yeah, though. go ahead. Because, I mean, you know, I have seen comments from our own, you know, Bless You Boys community. Yeah, there are some that are very uh, – Some people feel, feel very They're very passionately. strong. Yes they, yes, they do. Very, very passionately in, in sort of aligning with what Drew Sharp is saying and, you know, wishing that, uh, that the Tigers had taken the so-called high road or whatever. And I don't want to minimize that. I don't. No. Yeah, we're not quite them idiots per se. It's just the way Drew no. Sharp is – Drew Sharp is – this is standard idiocy from him. Right, and, and I may disagree with the the opinion, but I, I certainly don't want to alienate anybody who who takes the opposing view and they and does so honestly, yeah. you know, and and passionately. And they do have. I, I I honestly think Al that a lot of what we're seeing in our own community in response to this has to do with the fact that Johnny Peralta said, you know, I never took PADs, and anybody who says otherwise is lying, mm-hmm. and then turned around and said, okay, I made a mistake. And I think there 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 may be a sense, you know, in our own community of you know betrayal. Yeah, and that can be the kind of thing that would lead you to say, okay, that that hurts too much. You know, I, I don't want this guy back. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the right approach, but you know, you can at least get in somebody's shoes and say, okay, I can respect that you you definitely do you know feel strongly about this, and it's. I'll, I'll go with this and this. He, you know, keep in mind though, this this could have ended up in a legal case with court. You and I could understand. I bet you Peralta's advisors. I'm sure he has a legal team, you know, agents and such. Has said, don't admit to anything. 
So the com- you know, when this all broke out, and you know, if, if he came out and said, "Yeah, I took steroids," uh, who knows what kind of bag of you know, basket of of crap that this that could have brought up? Deny, deny, deny until you absolutely have to come clean, and that would go for any legal case. You know, Kurt, let me ask you: say something. Now, police show up at your door, say we're going to charge you for murder. Are you going to say, "Yeah, I did it"? No, you're going <laughs> to say, "I need to talk to my lawyer." Right. <laughs> you know, even though, I'm not saying you did that or anything, but don't you think that's how it's, you, if you're in that kind of situation, that's how you're going to handle it. At least at first, you're going to you're not going to admit to anything. And we still don't know Peralta actually took it. He still hasn't admitted mm-hmm. to taking it. He said he made a mistake. Being guilty of possessing the drugs is enough to get him the suspension. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So uh, I guess I suppose he probably took them, but you know, let, let's let's remember it. There is no evidence that he took them. There's no one saying he took them. Everyone just says he possessed them, and that was that was the 50-game suspension. Yeah, exactly. And I, exactly the point. I know we're going to get into the biogenesis stuff a little bit later, but I, I mean, to, you know, to our friends out there who do feel strongly about this, you know, I, I would only kind of push that and encourage, you know, reconsideration of that. That, you know, Johnny said I didn't take them. Anybody who says otherwise is lying. And then later said, okay, I made a mistake. And the, the really telling comment I thought was a, maybe a couple days. No, uh, it was right when he came back. I mm-hmm. think he had a, a little soundbite in the press where he said, it's, it's very complicated. I'm mad at myself, but it's very hard to explain. Yeah. And I thought, this just reeks of, you know, some very complicated, uh, things that went on, which we don't know all the facts about. And, you know, the fact that the, you know, the, the commissioner kind of pressed him and just said, you know, basically you take the suspension, get it over with. Yeah. I, I'm still leaning towards he may have been in possession. He may have just been affiliated with the clinic. He took that suspension to get it out of the way, yep. to get into his contract here. So I still can say, I'm not even sure he took him. Yeah. <laughs> he, he may not have lied at all. There's, a, so, there's so much gray area here. I just, said, I, I just can't find myself hating Johnny Peralta over it. I, I just don't. As Hookslide mentioned, we're going to get into this a little bit later because there's been some law, interesting lawsuits filed. And it also includes a Mr. Allison Hagen. So, <laughs> but uh, consider that kind of a... Um, Warning. Uh, yeah, warning for the remainder of the Bless You Boys podcast. If you guys need to get any popper or cold beverages, you know, wait, wait for a while. You'll have your opportunity when we talk about A-Rod. <laughs> okay, let's talk about uh, someone who has a legitimate injury and may, well, may hold the Tiger's fate in his, well, abdomen, so to speak, and that would be Miguel Cabrera. Uh, Cabrera's had five days off. He is going to play tonight, obviously. Jim Leland admits uh, to it that his superstar is not 100%, and he won't be for the rest of the season. Uh, and the words uh, Leland used was, Cabrera is, quote, playable, unquote. But he will, he did admit he will pinch run form in the eighth inning or later, is another quote. Uh, Tigers doctors are still saying there's going to be no long-term damage done by continuing by his continuing to play. Uh, I guess the question is, Kurt, are, do the Tigers, Tigers playoff hopes hinge on how well Cabrera plays over this injury? Hinge, no. no it, they shouldn't. You know, the, the, they got a great rotation. They got a good enough bullpen. And they, they got some guys like B. Mark and Torrey Hunter and Prince Fielder who should be able to score enough runs. Mm-hmm. Of course it makes it harder. Taking MVP out of your lineup, you're going to have a worse lineup. That, that point is obvious. But this is a team that should be able to absorb some of it. I mean, he wasn't producing every single run, even though it feels like it. Uh, 
the, the rest of the lineup has to step up more than it did in September. That's clear. But the rest of this lineup is capable of stepping up. They just have to do it. Yeah, and Kurt, you, I think uh, on the uh, the Blessed Boys Twitter account last night, you made a couple uh, pointed comments about the Dodgers last night who are missing some key components. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you know, they got they got three of the Kemp injured and, you know, and other guys injured and they're still – yeah, Andre Ethier is playing yeah. is kind of like in the same position as Miguel Cabrera at this point. They, they 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 still jump out and score five runs, you know, and they mm-hmm. they got like AJ Ellis stepping up and and you know uh, Gonzalez hitting a home run. It, it, Prince that that should be our version of Gonzalez, right? So yeah. you know, there, there's other guys who got it done for the Dodgers. The Tigers ought to be able to do the same. Hook slide. Miguel Cabrera's injury has obviously slowed him down, but. Do the their playoff hopes rest on how well he plays? No, no. Uh, we I know we discussed this last week, and I think the mm-hmm. same the same opinion that I had then is is true now. And it's, uh, he's definitely going to have an impact. How could he not? Yeah. Uh, you know, there used to be a time a couple months ago, even a month ago, mm-hmm. you know, when Cabrera would come to the plate, and it's, you could expect that there was going to be a a double, you know, or a home run, or he was just he was going to do damage. And right now, there's not. I don't have that feeling. Mm-hmm. When he gets up there, he's going to smack another single to right field. Base hits are great, uh, except if you're Cabrera and then you can't run. You have to go station to station, and you need someone like Prince to you know hit the home run just to get you, yeah. you know, get you run the bases. That that's going to have a huge impact. Um, but let's not be simpletons about this. The, the the you know the fate of the team does not rest on the one player. Yeah, and it's I think it's incredibly myopic to to look at it that way, you know, and say, well, if the one player is out, the MVP is out, that's it, the season's over. You still got Tory Hunter, you still got Austin Jackson, you still got, uh, you know, Johnny uh, Peralta, Victor Martinez. There's a lot of guys here that it's still a team sport, guys. You know, if if the team plays well, you're not going to notice Cabrera's uh, ailments as much, and that has been the case in oh, when was it July and August. Mm-hmm. You know, when he missed about 10 or 11 games, they they had a winning record and they were still posting over five runs per game average, even without him. Yeah. So it just goes to, you know, when they're hitting well, no problem. Yeah. No problem. And that's always the question. And, you know, if they're hitting well, as we see, as we saw in the World Series last year, nobody hit well and it didn't make a difference. So, uh, but yeah, I'll put it this way. Even though Cabrera is not hitting for any power right now, he's still getting on, in September, he's still got on base at almost a 400 clip. A guy who gets on base at a 400 clip is going to be an asset to your team no matter what. You know, it's unfortunately, you know, the other things he was bringing to the table may not be there as much, but then again, five days off may have improved him somewhat. Uh, yeah, I, I'm until, I think we're all in lockstep on this one. You know, guys like Victor Martinez and Prince Fielder, you know, Peralta, Torrey Hunter, Austin Jackson. You know, Alex Avila, who's been lights out in the second half. These, you know, all these guys are very capable of winning games for the Tigers, not just Miguel Cabrera. So, but it would be nice if it was healthy. I'll say that. <laughs> there was an article that I just read today. I wish I could remember which one it was. I want to say it was. Uh, oh, you guys help me out here. Was it the New York Times that just did a piece on Cabrera? Yeah, the long piece calling him kind of the uh, a savior of the uh, who uh, of the non steroid type player. That I think that was the article. Yeah. The, the one where they talked about the, the boys taking batting practice just recently and uh, how a couple of them, like Prince Fielder or whoever, they were they were kind of staging a home run derby mm-hmm. and trying to get him, you know, get Cabrera to kind of play along, but he was he was focusing on the, the discipline of hitting opposite field, opposite field, opposite field. And then it said that he finally acquiesced and turned around and ripped a, a bomb into left field for them. 
And and that kind of, you know, corresponds to what I saw at that game that I got to go, you know, and, and watch them take batting practice. Mm-hmm. He's still got the swing. He still yeah. has the power, you know, to, to rip those bombs into left field if he needs to. So I'm, I'm not too worried about him lacking the power right now. Yeah, it's a... Uh... Uh, having Miguel Cabrera in the lineup is better than not having him in the lineup. I don't care if he's at 75% or not. So, All right. Uh, I guess that kind of puts us to the point where we need to make our predictions. Actually, our predictions did go live on Bless You Boys today. But, uh, you know, maybe we can go a little bit more into our reasoning as to why. So, uh, hook slide. I'm going to start with you. Who you got and why in the series? Oh, no. <laughs> you know, my opinion changes on this almost every day. Oh, I know. So it's the uh, the Groucho Marx line, you know. These are my standards. If you don't like them, I have others. <laughs> so these these were my predictions, and they went live on the site what today or yesterday. Mm-hmm. I I still, I guess I, I still suspect I predict uh, the Tigers in five. I think the A's will get a couple, a couple of wins out of it. Um, but I I I'm not as firm on where and when that's going to happen. So I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know Verlander struggles a little bit. And ends up being the victim of, of, you know, lack of run support and ends up losing one of the games in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I still think, I think it'll go down to five. I think it'll be close, but I still think that the Tigers will, will eke it out. Yeah. Mr. Menching, your prediction. I, I went with Tigers in five as well and it could possibly be four, but, uh, two things, you know, one, one to add something beyond what was mentioned. And, and I mean, I thank our, our friend John Urkula for passing on the notes from Joe Sheehan's uh, newsletter was that a predictor of success in the postseason for the past few years has been contact rate. The Tigers have the best contact rate in the postseason this year. Uh, and they have strikeout pitchers all over the place going against an A's team that is pretty low for the contact rate. So it seems like if that that is a good predictor, it should swing heavily uh, in in favor of the Tigers advancing. So I I feel pretty confident about the Tigers advancing. On the other hand, the the way we've seen the offense in the past couple of weeks, if you're you're not worried, you're not paying attention. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with Cabrera losing his power in September, if you're not worried, you're not paying attention. So, yeah, you know, I'm a little worried, but I think the Tigers have enough pitching to get through, and they have a lineup that can do enough to get the job done three out of the five games. So that that's why I took the Tigers in five. Uh, I went five as well, but I, I got to admit, like as Hookslide said, it can change. And that when I first started putting together my prediction, I went, a, I went sweet just because of, well, Scherzer, Verlander, Sanchez. I mean, my God, that's. That's a hellacious one-two-three punch at the top of your rotation. But then, as Kurt mentioned, I started thinking about the offense, and you know, as much as we, you know, we talked about that, some of this was because of the Tigers kind of easing off the pedal in the last couple of weeks. Cabrera's hurt. You know, there's been some. You know, there's still the question: What's going on in left field? Torrey Hunter is either killing the ball or he's absolutely miserable. You know, there's no in between with him. So there's still some. You know, but and obviously Prince Fielder, who as well as he's played over the past month. Uh, he's still not quite the same hitter he was last year. He just, he's, he's striking out more. He seems to go fishing a little bit more. There, you know, there are some problems with the offense, but I, I could not pick the A's in good conscience to beat the Tigers starting pitching in three of the five games. It's just too damn good. And the fact that in a, in a game five comes down to it, the Tigers would have the option of bringing like Justin Verlander. You know, if the, the way he's looking, if they go five games, Scherzer gets to start in game five, they can have the option of bringing uh, – 
Justin Verlander, you know, into the game, you know, as a relief pitcher, for Christ's sake. So, as Casey Stengel said, good pitching beats good hitting, even though he did add and vice versa. But I tend to do by that that good pitching will beat good hitting the majority of the time. And as good as the A's looked in that series where they took three or four from the Tigers, I tend to find that was a bit of an aberration just because they were playing so goddamn well, as Jim Leland likes to say. It's not how you're playing, it's when you play somebody. In that time, the Tigers picked the worst, worst time to play the A's. I think the Tigers will just play and hit enough, and they'll get that, that starting rotation. I, I keep looking at that and say, they'll be, the A's will be hoping to get three runs a game off these guys. If they do that, they may have a chance. But look at their ERAs. That's going to be kind of pushing it. So, Did you see uh, Jason Stark's article? I, try, I tend not to pay attention too much to ESPN at this point, so fill us in. Uh, no, I thought he made a good point. I mean, it's exactly the point you're making. and It's all about the Tigers starting pitching, and, and he concluded you know, the article. He predicted the Tigers actually going all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he, he made a very good point in saying, you know, any team that, that expects to get through any combination of Scherzer, Verlander, Sanchez, best of luck to you. Yeah. Because that's just a ridiculous starting rotation to get through. And I'm, I'm going to throw this out for you guys to kind of bat this around. But okay. forget about Cabrera for a minute because we know what's going on you know, that with that situation. But mm-hmm. d- does this whole September offensive slump strike you as just kind of an anomaly for right now? I mean, how do you explain the, the drop and run production knowing what they've been able to do without Cabrera in the past? What, what's going on in September? I could uh, just I can tell you what Kurt's going to say. That's baseball. <laughs> but uh yeah, I t- it's a bit of an aberration, you know. But that's a good thing then, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know I just know the talent's there. You know, I, no, and we've seen and, and for all the people for all the angst of people who say, "Oh my god, the Tigers got sh- shut out so much." If you look at all the other playoff teams, they all had similar numbers when it came to getting shut out, you know. When you play good teams, stuff like that's going to happen, you know, because not all 162 games are going to be played against. Well, I can't use the Marlins as an example at this point, but against the White Sox and the Twins and you know the Astros and so on. Or, or, or I could throw in Cleveland for that matter. But you know, it's, 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 I find it an aberration. How about you, Kurt? Was it just? An, do you agree, with folks? Fight? It was, it was an ab. Well, me. Was it an aberration, or is there more there? I think it's a combination. You know, when when your number three hitter is a jogging station to station because yeah. he's hurt and and. He, he has only two extra base hits for the entire month. I, you know, when that's in the middle of your lineup and it's not performing, I, it's going to drag you down. I, I think that much is, is true. Uh, drag them down one run per game, that that might be a little too much. And, yeah. And well, there's an interesting point then, Kurt. I mean, so is, are you suggesting that, you know, given the Tigers' winning record without Cabrera, are they better off without him in the lineup? You know, as opposed to having it in the lineup and, and clogging up the base pads. They might be better off with them lower in the lineup. Yeah, you can't you can't do that. I mean, period. You can't do it. But you, they might be better off with Fielder third, Martinez fourth, and and Cabrera fifth or something. Well, I'll add it this way. You know, the Tigers' record without Cabrera, I find it kind of similar to the Orioles winning all those one-run games last year where. It, it was just luck because it, 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 at that stat for the Orioles got turned on its head this year. And that very well could be the reason why, you know, it, it's the old bats baseball argument, but a lot of times well, it's very true. But I'll go beyond that, Al. I mean, they, you could say, yeah, they got lucky in those 10 or 11 games without Cabrera, but I'm more interested in the fact that they, they had superior run support. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can luck into that. It, it, it tells me that the offense is still potent even without him. Oh, that, there's no question about that. It shouldn't be a question. That they, as we've said earlier on, 
this team has enough very good to great hitters on this team that a 75 50% Cabrera, you know, isn't going to ruin their playoff hopes as much as some uh, media members would have, have us believe. So, but I, let me ask you this, Kurt. Were you surprised that we had a dissenter on our staff that actually picked the A's? I'm not surprised. I, I thought Were you surprised we had, who it was, though? That surprised me. I, yeah. I thought we had more than one dissenter, actually. I, yeah. You know, I didn't expect a clean sweep, but I never expect so-called Spring to be serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but he did make some good points. And much it was with uh, he's concerned about the injuries, and as Hookflies brings up, that's, that's streaky heading. As we saw last year in the playoffs, you know, if the Tigers don't hit, the Islanders doesn't make a difference how well you pitch because the Tigers pitched damn good in that World Series last year. But you can't overcome no runs. So, all right, I think we have uh, our Tigers topics out of the way, but we do have to get into our controversies. This is where we're going to get into the Mr. Allison Hagen comment we made earlier uh, before we start wrapping up the show. There was a couple of lawsuits that came down today. Uh, the big one, uh, of course, and remember, these are all about PEDs. The big one is Alex Rodriguez suing Major League Baseball and Commissioner Bud Selig for, uh, this is the legalese terms, torturous interference with a, uh, Alex Rodriguez's contract with the Yankees and torturous interference with his endorsement opportunities. In other words, he's suing Major League Baseball because he believes there was a, a coordinated smear campaign in, the, in an attempt to destroy Alex Rodriguez's reputation and career, which was helped by buying the cooperation of Biogenesis head Anthony Bosch. Kurt, <laughs> first off, can you tell us uh, how Allison got involved with this? Well, you know, Mr. Allison got involved because in, in the in the in, in the document filed by you know A Rod on behalf of A Rod in the section called MLB's suit against Biogenesis. Uh, Paragraph 37, it notes, MLB's suit was immediately criticized by the sports and legal community as lacking merit and for skirting the procedural safeguards concerning MLB investigations found in the agreement. For example, one attorney affiliated with NBC Sports, that would be one Craig Calcaterra. Yes, who's been on the podcast before. So. Yes, wrote that MLB's suit was a transparent and cynical a transparent and cynical attempt by Major League Baseball to obtain documents to discipline its employees, not an attempt to vindicate an actual legal injury, and courts do not like to be used in such a fashion. And then it goes on. But uh, basically what was interesting about this, uh, you know, this case is that A-Rod's attorney is using the same strategy that Major League Baseball used. Yeah, yeah. They were, you know, they were, they were saying uh, biogenesis was interfering with, with Major League Baseball by tempting these players into uh, in, into PEDs, uh, and so they use that to turn biogenesis, that, uh, you know, and 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 Mr. Bosch with the, the threat of a, a lawsuit, possible criminal, uh, on top of you know financial issues that would that would break the man, and, and they they so they they bullied him into uh, saying what they wanted him to say. So A. Rod is saying this bullying. Is interfering with his contract because yeah. the Yankees owe him a lot of money, and if they get, if he gets suspended, the Yankees won't have to pay him. You know, if, if it's two seasons, that's almost sixty million dollars. So this this uh, interference by Major League Baseball is possibly going to cost him sixty million. So he he is using the same strategy Major League Baseball used to to get the 
you know, biogenesis to cough up the name. So I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and to keep in mind that uh, if the Yankees don't have to pay A-Rod, uh, that lowers them below the luxury threshold and the luxury tax. Uh, so that's, there's a lot at stake here for the Yankees when it comes to this contract that they don't have to pay them. You know, it really is, you know, when you start getting into this defamation type stuff, it's, it's very, very hard to prove. I have a feel. hopefully, uh, we won't we won't have to talk too much more about this, and that'll end up in a settlement or something like that. Maybe Major League Baseball will reduce that ridiculous 200-game suspension, uh, you know, some sort of agreement we reach, because it would be, I will say this, it would be highly entertaining if this ends up reaching courts. I don't think either party wants that, but it would. I'd love to see it. Bookslide, anything you have to say about uh, this uh, crazy lawsuit? I won't call it crazy, this interesting lawsuit. I love the chaos. I love it. <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> no, Kurt loves chaos. I, yeah. I think I just like dark, cynical mm-hmm. something. Uh, you know what? The, the best part of this, this lawsuit mm-hmm. is around paragraph 51 and 52 where it talks about Dan Mullen from MLB purchasing you know, the, uh, the stolen documents. Yeah, and then it goes on to to say that he engaged in an inappropriate sexual relationship with a witness, <laughs> whom he in, interviewed about the biogenesis matter. This is awesome. We've got drugs. We've got sex. Where's the rock and roll? Yep. That's all we're missing from this. I, I'm just wondering who's going to play Johnny Peralta in the movie. So, <laughs> Ooh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I will. I will get right on that. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, there's a, if they could make a money movie about Moneyball. Now, this has to be exactly. movie. I think it's actually I, I'm very curious to see where this all goes, because mm-hmm. I'm looking at it more from the Peralta angle, yeah. just because people were so quick to say, see, he did take him and he did lie and all that stuff or whatever. But uh, I, th- I think it's cool that, that Rodriguez is pushing back a little bit because it might bring to the surface some of the things that I mentioned last week and saying, this is what's going to leave a bad taste in people's mouths about Bud Selig's tenure as the commissioner. So the way he handled this biogenesis scandal and the, some of the shady stuff that was going on. So I'm, I'm glad it's being brought to the surface. And it should be. I mean, a lot of people, it really, I'm, you got to wonder just how, how much on the up and up was MLB when it came to this investigation and just how dirty did they get? I have a feeling they got really dirty in this, so. All right, and there was one other lawsuit. I guess you had to kind of – actually, I'm kind of surprised it got to this point, and that is uh, uh, if you remember a few months ago, uh, Jack Clark had a radio show in St. Louis for about a week, and he lost it because of his comments uh, in regard to um, insisting, you know, even through second – he called as he called it proof, secondhand knowledge being proof, that Albert Pujols was taking steroids, and he also said Justin Verlander used steroids because, well – he had the facts all wrong, but he still claimed Verlander was using steroids because he had lost velocity off his fastball or some bullshit. And it's interesting that the radio station Clark worked for for a whole week has issued an on-air retraction of this and an apology, obviously, in hopes of staving off being part of this lawsuit. Fun times, to say the very least, in baseball. Um, but this one, Kurt, I'm just surprised it got to this point because most of the time when this sort of stuff happens, uh, a player like Pujols, We'll just, you know, forget, you know, just say, I'm just going to forget it ever happened. I'm going to walk away because all, if all lawsuits and attention, you know, it just brings attention back to this rather than, for the most part, I think most everybody had to just plain forgotten about this. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people commented at the time that Pujols was just bluffing because mm-hmm. a lot of discovery might not be good for Pujols. Even if, even if he didn't do steroids, a lot of, a lot of discovery might, might turn up stuff that Pujols wouldn't want out in public. Yep. So, you know, either he's Somebody a Somebody just sued Kurt. Yeah, well, <laughs> he, just you so know. You know. He, he's, a, he's probably, you know, either he's a 
extremely squeaky clean, mm-hmm. or 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 they're really going to hope for something to settle because you know, stuff gets out that uh, you know it, it it starts to when you when you get it into court, it, it, it's not pretty. So that that's why most people figured Justin Verlander would just drop it, and he didn't. That's why people thought Kuhlhoff would probably be better off served just dropping it because it, it might not be pretty. Yeah, he'll slide. I think Verlander handled this perfectly. He just said, uh, "No, essentially, I have no idea what he's talking about, and it's not true." And that was that. Yeah, but he threatened too, didn't he? He just said, "Yeah." He he, no, he didn't it. say I was going to threaten. He goes, I, "I'd we'd look into it." I think it was right. Uh, never heard anything from him since. I think it's a good thing, I guess, that that Pujols is going after it because, especially with the biogenesis thing going on, mm-hmm. you know, and people are getting their 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 names and reputations tainted for what may turn out to be, you know illegitimate reasons mm-hmm. or, or less legitimate than what people thought. Um, yeah, I, I think it makes sense to go ahead and, and pursue this just to clear his name completely so that there's not any lingering, you know, weird connection. It's saying, oh, yeah, biogenesis was going on right at the same time that, you know, somebody accused Pujols and, boy, he never did follow through on that. Good for him. Go for it. Consider some of the more ridiculous statements that have been made over sports talk radio over the years as as it's lowered itself into the gutter it's very possible someone's going to pay and pay heavily for really making unfounded, ridiculous statements. So, and the odds are, you know, if Pujols is this serious about it, he, let's hope he is damn squeaky clean. All right, Dusty Baker was fired uh, after getting knocked out of the uh, wild card. Uh, actually, yeah, he lost in the wild card round. So that means managerial silly season has begun. Uh, he was canned after six years, three playoff appearances, and actually he made the playoffs the last two years in a row even though they were, the Reds were unable to uh, get past the divisional round. Um, any surprises here, Kurt? Is this one of those cases where I, the Reds feel like they've gone as far as they can under Baker? I think there's a lot of criticism of Baker, regardless of how far they went. You know, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I I think most Reds fans are probably happy this happened. Yeah, hook slide. Uh, Dusty Baker, I know he's he's got a reputation of uh, – of ruining arms and making some very questionable on-field decision-making. But it is uh, interesting that a a manager who has made the playoffs 50% of the time, which is a pretty darn good record, gets canned after a playoff season. Yeah, and that's that's a little bit disappointing to me. Um, Because I I, I don't want to fall in, I guess, with with the thinking that says, oh, yeah, he's a bad manager and he makes these decisions or whatever. Because I know people talk about Jim Leland. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd hate for another fan base to kind of, you know, take that as gospel truth, you know, and say, yes, see, Leland is like Baker, and they both, you know, I I don't know. I'd be really interested to talk to a couple of, you know, level-headed Reds fans and say, good idea, bad idea. Do you agree with Mm -hmm. it? Do you not agree with it? Kurt, we can make that happen, right? We (laughs) we have access to the the SB Nation world that we can... I know, I know, I know a Reds fan. I I talk to almost every day anyway, so... So there you go. See, the great idea for a future... Uh, Q and A. How do they feel about the firing? So it's, yeah, I don't want to speculate on it. It's, it's a little bit, uh, I, like I said, to me, my only comment is that's strange, considering how many times they've made it into the playoffs. Is he really that bad? Yeah. Or, it, well, let me add this. I would just say that it, it really would make no sense unless they, the Reds seriously consider making a few personnel moves as well. Uh, you know, for all the uh, kudos that uh, Terry Francona has got with the Cleveland Indians, well. What about all the players they added to that damn roster that actually made them competitive again? No, it's not just on the manager. So I would, if Baker's going to lose his job for assembling a playoff team, as much as we like to deny the wild card round is actually making the playoffs, 
it's going to say, you know, playoffs, you know, in, in the history books. I would hope the Reds are going to make some other moves. If they're going to get rid of Baker, they really need to make some other moves with that roster because it really looks like they've topped out. You know, this, they're not a World Series team at this point, so it's time to start maybe making some changes to that team. Obviously, it doesn't involve doing anything with Joey Votto, but I would think a lot of and or, but there's a, there should be some things that they can do there. So, but yeah, you make a good point with uh, Jim Leland. You know that the cry to fire him. It's ridiculous, and we've gone over and over about that. And I, I just hope that Jim Leland, when he does leave, is going to be of his own volition, even though that rarely happens in baseball. I, I was just saying that the same rumors were swirling about uh, Ron Washington, yeah. you know, for Texas. So yeah, I think that's actually a good point. And uh, and there's another manager you could make a lot of. Uh, you could point a lot of fingers at a manager whose whose team is kind of. It looks like they have kind of plateaued. You know, you can really second guess his managerial decisions. And yet he's got his team into the playoffs how many exactly. years? So yeah. if it can happen to Dusty Baker, can it happen to Ron Washington? And could it happen to Jim Leland if he fails, you know, to get to the to the World Series? Then that would come down to uh, the man with the, holding the purse strings and Mike Illich. And he so he wants that World Series so bad and he knows he's running out of time. So I don't even want to start speculating on, on this team not making a World Series because if they don't, it's going to get ugly around here. All right. Speaking of ugly, we have a postseason hateability index because the Wall Street Journal fancies themselves sometimes as, they, as having the ability to cover sports. I know, and don't get me going on hating the Wall Street Journal. Uh, but according to their poll, well, their little goofy uh, way of calculating hateability, uh, the Wall Street Journal has the Tigers as the third most hateable team in the playoffs behind only the Dodgers and the Red Sox. And the Tigers' main offenses to give them such a hate factor, well, there was just there were really two of them, because they have a high payroll, and they tied for the most Sports Illustrated covers in 2013 amongst the playoff teams. I don't know about you, Kurt, but yeah, those those teams that make Sports Illustrated, oh, I can't stand them. Yeah, you know, well, <laughs> well you, you know, I can understand where they're coming from, though, you, you know. Red Sox, pretty hateable. Yankees, pretty hateable. Cardinals, oh my God, hateable. Yeah. You know, so I, I can understand why people might start to hate some of these teams. So, you know, I see where they're coming from. Hookslide, what's your take on this? I don't take it seriously. I, I looked at this at their hateability index and the categories and the rankings. The, the last category here is uh, executives played by Brad Pitt in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, the only team that gets a point on that scale is the Oakland A's. So I kind of look at that and go, uh, they're, they're having fun. They're, they're goofing around. Um, the payroll thing that you notice they broke it into two categories yeah. is general payroll, but also players with a hundred million plus contracts, mm-hmm. you know? So, okay, come on. You guys are just scraping at this point, but you know, it's funny, but really Detroit that <laughs> number three. Come yeah. You know, from, from every, all the impressions I'm getting out there is that Detroit, you know, people are, you know, they, if they're ruined against Detroit, it's for one reason. It's for payroll, pure and simple. That's the only reason I think they, uh, have anything to hold anything against the Tigers in Detroit? I mean, because we're such a nice fan base. We're so downtrodden, though. People yes. just love us. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We we talked about this on Twitter yesterday. We need some rescuing around here, don't we, Kurt? Don't don't steal my rant ahead of time, man. Okay, well then, okay. well I will stop right there because actually we were pretty much run out of topics to talk about. Is uh, the playoffs are only about well five hours away at this point. So with that, let's wrap up the show. So that means it's time for final thoughts. Anything we haven't covered yet, now's the time to do so. So, hook slide, I will start with you because I'm sure Kurt needs to get riled up a little bit. So, uh, floor is yours. All right. 
Um, you know, the one thing I've been thinking about this week is, you know, we've watched the uh, tiebreaker game and a couple wild card games and uh, you know, some of the initial uh, division series games. My God, do I hate national broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely can't stand it. And I, I, I have found uh, I watched one game on TBS. Mm-hmm. The rest of the games, and I've listened to all of them, but the rest of the games this week I have followed strictly on radio. And I'm having way more fun this year than I did, you know, last year, the year before that, following these games with the local broadcasters on radio than with the crap they're serving us on, on TBS. And it just, it, it raises, I, I've been posting this on Twitter and in, in the game comment threads and saying, boy, wouldn't it be great if they would just let the local broadcasters do the national broadcasts? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they squeeze three and four guys into the booth anyway. Why not take the two, you know, get like Mario and Pemba and Rod Allen you know, to join up with whoever the, you know, the TV announcers are, have been for the Oakland A's all season, mm-hmm. get the four of them together and let them call the game together. These guys know the teams, you know, they know the local flavor and everything. Be way more interesting. That, that's my rant for the week. You know, they used to do that years and years and years ago, because I'm old enough to remember these things, because I'm old as dirt, and that way back in the day, that's, they would actually have the home announcers call some of the games. Like, uh, you know, like I remember in 68, Ernie Harwell and, Her- and Harry Carey, Called some innings on the on the national broadcast because right that's yeah right. and that's really I, I'm with you there because I I do agree with you that I the best for the most part you know, you know let's take Vin Scully out of the conversation because he's he's on another planet the vast majority of great play by play guys I think I agree with that I think they're I think they're on radio or or even TV you know what I'm saying if you want to use TV announcers fine but at least yeah. take take the guys who have followed the teams all year long I don't really care what you know. Ron Darling has to say about this team or that team. It's and usually it's wrong because it's often this small sample size bullshit. Exactly. Kurt, are you are you wound up again? Because I know a couple. Uh, uh, we're still recovering from your blistering rant over saber magicians. I I, I guess I'm. I'm <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Well, you know, and that this just got it got started on Twitter yesterday because that's where everything great begins. Mm-hmm. Uh but I saw, first off, a tweet from the Sporting News, you know, basically the down, the downtrodden Detroit team. Uh, and then I, I, I saw, you know, the, the Detroit News was reporting on TBS has a six and a half minute feature that was going to be featured about downtrodden Detroit. And even the New York Times article that we've been praising uses the word downtrodden Detroit. Mm-hmm. I haven't lived there for a while. I live in the UP. That's that's obvious. You know, I, I grew up uh, half my childhood on the east side in the city, McNelder Drive, Kensington Avenue, East English Village. I, I feel like I, I, I know a thing or two about Detroit. My, my father worked for the city. My mother worked for the city. My aunt worked for the city. We are Detroit city people. And every single year, I mean, 2006, 2006, in every single sport, there is an opportunity for someone to win something for downtrodden Detroit, whether it's the mm-hmm. Tigers, whether it's University of Michigan football, whether it's Michigan State basketball at the Final Four, maybe Michigan basketball last year in the Final Four, maybe the Lions, for Pete's sake, could win one for downtrodden Detroit, maybe the Red Wings can win one for downtrodden Detroit. What else sports teams? Oh, what would poor Detroit do? Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I had to illustrate it with, with a, with, you know, with my, my crappy, uh, not even Photoshop, my MS Paint job, because that's what it felt like. 
Detroit is the boxes and, and sports is the forklift. And sports lifts up the whole and then lowers it back down. And then it lifts it up and then it lowers It's a freaking roller coaster. That, oh, you know, I'm so glad that Detroit people have one sport after another sport. They can raise their hopes and then shatter them and then raise their hopes. Look, the city is bankrupt. My mother's pension, her her insurance is at risk right now. You think she's sitting there going, gee, you know, if, if the Tigers win the World Series, everything's going to be fine. If U of M football does fine, everything's going to be fine. If if the Red Wings or Pistons and everything, no, it doesn't work that way. The, you know, it's great to, to pretend a sports team has some big cultural thing. Everyone wants to point back to the 68 Tigers after the riot. I understand. We enjoy sports. That That's fine. But sports are sports and life is life. And it's a trite, tiresome line that every single journalist feels like he must be the first one to come up with. Oh, he's going to ask the sports team how it can lift the city's hopes. And I, I'm so sick of that stupid, ridiculous thing coming up again and again and again, and every journalist acting like they're the first ones to come up with it. The city of Detroit has problems. We know that. Some areas of the city are successfully turning things around. Other areas, not so much. We we, we know that. And, and no matter how our sports teams do, you know, I, I think, I, I hope the city in the long run is going to be fine. Uh, it, it's nice if they win, but separate the two. Sports and the city, they're not the same. It, there's a lot of people in the city who, believe it or not, probably don't watch sports at all. So <laughs> it, it's just this ridiculous assertion, and I'm, I'm sick of reading it four or five times a year about one team or another lifting Detroit up. You know, Forget about it. Let, let's just let the Tigers be the Tigers without trying to attach some big cultural uh, thing to it. Because I, I, I talk, talk to Detroiters. I don't think they care, you know. Lots of people were were huzzahing me on Twitter and and telling the the, the guy from the Sporting News that we're tired of this storyline. It's time to let it go. So that that's my rant. Uh, yeah, I'll just add this, Kurt. That um, I, I I lived in Detroit for a decade myself. I was on the West Side, and I I waited by the door, and no one from any of the sports teams came to rescue me. Uh, it's a shame, you know. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm sure they started on the East Side and they worked their way west. <laughs> It's a big city. It's going to take a while to get over there. Yeah, and I left. You know, it took over a decade. I guess they never got all the way to the west side. So I mean, it took like 45 minutes to drive across the city anyway. <laughs> it's a big city. You know, you had to wait longer, Al. Damn. Yeah, That. And so, you know, I ended up going to Oakland County instead, and, well, I still need rescuing. So. <laughs> well, you guys just don't have a sentimental bone in your bodies, do you? Uh, try not to. I mean, don't you understand that when a beleaguered city looks upon a player or a team like the Detroit Tigers and sees them come from behind this sweet, you know, a majestic wind from the jaws of defeat that, that gives us all hope. Oh, where's the musical soundtrack? You forgot the musical soundtrack. I, will add, I can add that in post, so don't Okay. Da, 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 da. I, I, I'll look for the violins right now or something. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm to know what hit it. Uh, let me ask you this, Kurt. Uh, how long in uh, this series before we hear the downtrodden Detroit card played? Preview. <laughs> I, I don't even get into the game. I'm going to be listening to like, Dan Dickerson myself, so I don't think it's going to come oh, up. Oh, yeah, buddy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll just add this, is that 
from listening to uh, fans this past week, I do. T- I, I I try to do it in relatively small doses, but I want to know what's going on with the fan base. And one of the, some of the best places to get it is one on Sports Talk Radio, and obviously Twitter and Facebook. You know, there's a lot of activity about the Tigers on all three right now. And from going by that part of the fan base, you would believe this is a team that finished, uh, you know, in last place. We're lucky to win 50 games. Uh, you know, from all of the doom and gloom I've heard over the past week, much of it because of that sweep and getting no hit in the season, I think a, a lot, a large portion of this fan base is expecting this team to get swept in the playoffs, get swept right out of the playoffs, which is absolutely ridiculous. It's just, again, now we talk about it again and again in this, on this podcast, but the football mentality of this country is, um, is it doesn't apply to the game of baseball. You know, it's 162 games. It's not three games. And, you know, in this case, I'm going to go with the body of work, which is uh, will tell me much more about how this team is going to do in the playoffs rather than that last week where they went 2-7. and seven. So, yes, the Tigers could get swept out of the playoffs because the A's are a very good team. But so are the Tigers, and people tend to forget that. They get all caught up in this, well, look at how many times the Tigers have gotten shut out. Look at the injuries they've had to deal with. Forgetting to look at the rest of Major League Baseball, where every other team, every playoff team, has many of the same issues, and they have holes as well. Not the same ones as the Tigers, but they got holes as well. If you look at this matchup with the A's, the Tigers should win this alone on the starting pitching, because they've got much better starting pitching. They have some superstars on that lineup. A's got good players. They don't have any superstars. So, you know, as good of a season as Josh Donaldson has had, he's got a track record of about five months compared to some of these guys in the Tigers who have decades of track records of being able to push this team further. So calm down. God forbid if they lose this first game. Even if they lose this first game, the series is not over. I know we're going to hear that if the Tigers lose Friday night, that doom, gloom, oh, my God, here comes a sweep. God, sometimes I, I'm getting like Rogo when it comes to this fan base, guys. <laughs> That's a bad place to be. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You know what I say? Go read the Jason Stark article, even if yeah. it is ESPN. If you're one of those fans that's feeling like I'm not really sure, and you know you can read a you know a, an article written by someone who's pro A's, and they'll give you all the reasons why mm-hmm. you know these guys take walks, they're going to drive up our pitchers' pitch counts, they're going to bump them out early, then we're going to get to the bullpen. You guys are dead. You'll feel like crap reading that. But uh, Jason Stark made some good points, I thought. And you know there, there's a team that almost lost half of its game in September's. Uh, games in September, I should say, and had a severe drop-off in run production, uh, that would be the Dodgers. Yeah. Oh, wow. They, they have that problem, too. You know, so you go, go read a, uh, an article or two that actually gives you the reasons why the Tigers will win. You feel so much better. I will link to that in the show notes, because uh, I, I, I just glanced over it, but I, I know exactly what he's talking about. That, that's what I said in my prediction. That damn starting pitching, that they are so good. Let's wrap it up. So... Where can we find you guys online during the playoffs, uh, Mr. Hookslide? Well, the question is, why would you want to find me online? <laughs> Hookslide, uh, Twitter. Um, it's Hookslide BYB at Twitter. And then also on Facebook, facebook.com slash hookslide.byb. I didn't have to remind you this time about the Facebook page. so I'm, I'm getting better. That's your Self- Self-marketing. And uh, Mr. Menching, how about yourself? You can find me working. Ah, yes. Yelling, yelling get me a gift of that nutshot. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I'll try trying to tweet more from at Bless You Boys, and if I maybe I'll just hand it off the hook slide. He had a good, uh, he had a good run there on, on the night they, they clinched. You know, so so and 
if you, uh, you appreciate pictures of, of waves and Donner, you know, follow BYB Kurt. I would like to do more of the Bless You Boys account, but I'm, I'm I will be too busy recapping the game. You know, so expect about thirty thousand, thirty-five hundred words on, on the games. So uh, that's how that's how I'm spending my nights during the during the series. But if you want to see me, if I do get the chance to occasionally bitch or praise something that happens during the game on Twitter, Big Al Byb on Twitter at Big Al Byb. And of course, there's always the uh, SB Nation account too, right, Kurt? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you're on it occasionally, and Rob is, and that's at, at SB Nation MLB. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to be on it Sunday? Um, maybe. <laughs> oh, Kurt, you're, 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 I love it when you, uh, when you're so strong of your opinion. I'm, I'm so committed. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up this podcast. So, uh, until this time next week, uh, well, you know, there'll be, there'll be one of two outcomes. Either the Tigers are in or they are out because the series, if it goes five, ends on Thursday. So either way, we'll have something to talk about. So until that time, this is Al Beaton saying good night and good luck, along with what's like. Ooh, the Pirates won. <laughs> Go Bucks. <laughs> and Kurt mentioned. We never did get the, 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 the Bill Simmons uh, impersonation from Hook, did we? You can join me weekdays across Michigan. Here on the Loud Show. There you go. Oh, thank you. Okay, thank you. Now that we've got that, I will I will say goodnight. And we will continue to ignore huge on the next Bless You Boys podcast. Nice impression. You like that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what he sounds like. I, I would never listen to that. I've guy. never listened. I've never heard him speak in my life. Oh, God, you guys are lucky. That's good advice. Thanks, big fella.